1: Stephen A. Smith hates the Dallas Cowboys, or maybe I should say he loves to troll the Dallas Cowboys fan. That might be the more accurate description on Jerry Snelling's
2: definitely.
1: filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save one 800 Progressive and at Progressive.com. So Stephen A. Smith, he of course is one of the members of the show, First Take. And he always says the things to make Cowboy Nation go crazy. He said the thing on First Take once again. Take a listen.
3: How many teams are lucky because the officials messed up and overturned a game-winning play? When does that happen? Now, we saw the drop pass for the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, that's Marquez Valdez-Scanlon's fault. That is a player with his quarterback throwing a bomb putting it right in his hands and he dropped the touchdown pass. We've certainly That's seen luck that before. For the it's Philadelphia Eagles. Good. I'm saying that he dropped the pass. Yeah, it was luck, but it involved players. That is entirely different than an official literally taking negating a two-point play that gives you the lead in the damn game.
1: Okay, I don't know what happened. On that two-point play. I do know, though, Andre, that we have seen officials get things wrong or make controversial calls over and over and over and over and over and over over again in the NFL, by the way.
3: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm one that feels like, yes, referees can and do uh, affect the outcome of games. But usually when something like that happens – uh, those of us on the air or the fans or just everybody's like, ah, well, you know, it's bad on both sides. You know, it evens out in the wash. And no, no, it doesn't always even out in the wash. The the, the referees can absolutely change the course of, of a game. Um, they changed the course of my Bengals Super Bowl uh, win. This should have been a couple years ago with a phantom holding call in the end zone. And I'm not bitter. I'm just bringing it up because it's on subject. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. You know, as you started off this segment with, Stephen A. loves to troll the Cowboys. He has some new fodder to troll them with. Um, I do think he's quote-unquote correct in the sense that that was lucky for them because it gives them a really good chance at having home home court, I'm a basketball guy, home field advantage for much of the playoffs. And that's very important for this Cowboys team who has not shown they can win on the road.
1: It all came down to that controversial play where everyone is up in arms because was Taylor Decker the tacker for the Lions? Did he actually self-report to an official to make himself eligible or not? And then he catches the pass in the end zone. They convert the two-point conversion. It comes back. The officials say no. That's the controversy, right? Certainly that would have changed the game. And frankly... Affected the standing so much that it changes things. It changes a playoff scenario as well. Nevertheless, you can't erase everything else that happened in that game alone. Because there was also a missed call that benefits the Lions in that game. But I'm just talking about in the season as a whole. And what Stephen A. Smith is doing there is taking a few seconds of a play. That none of us are ever going to know the truth about what actually happened. Because we don't actually know what Decker said to the officials one way or another. What we do know is what we've seen from Dak Prescott this entire season. What we do know is this: el- the 11 wins that we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys and the body of work as a whole. What we do know is that they are sitting at the top of that division, Andre. And <laughs> if they beat the Commanders, a broken Commanders team, on Sunday at 425 p.m. Eastern, they will win the NFC East. Or if Dallas ties plus... Philadelphia ties or if Philadelphia (laughs) loses in any of those scenarios Dallas ends up winning that division and that ain't because of one two point conversion that controversial got called called back that's because of the entire body of work all season long by the Dallas Cowboys and how good of a season that quarterbacks had.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's – what's the expression? You make your own luck, right? If 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 all of these things that you were talking about for the Cowboys weren't true, then that call wouldn't have really mattered one way or the other. Um, it is an added piece to it. You know, they do maybe have a win that maybe, as you pointed out, we don't really know for sure. They would not have gotten under most circumstances. But you know what? They got that win. And so, you know – I'm sure if we go through the tape, we can find uh, positive bounces or dropped passes or, you know, you talked about the Eagles. We we, we saw bad luck for the Cowboys with – Dak Prescott coming up six inches short or whatever it was on the first down and the touchdown being six inches short. That Those were bad luck plays that if they happened again, probably work in their favor. So I'm not up in arms about it for the whole season. Like uh, Stephen A was just trying to make a point and, you know, he was uh, reaching for what was available to make that point. But, well, you know.
1: He's trying to make, he's trying to see what he can at this point, right? Like, what do you say about the team, especially if they do win the division this weekend. Like, well, what does Stephen A. Smith say then? They won the division, right? They're, they're a 12-win Just team. Just wait until the playoffs. Just it's, wait until the right. playoffs. I mean, that's, that's the only thing you can do. And that's the easy go-to with Dallas, and frankly, a fair go-to with Dallas because the lack of success in the postseason, the lack of success on the biggest stage, that's what we can have an actual conversation about. But there ain't nothing you can say about this regular <laughs> season if they beat the Commanders this weekend. And so you have to grasp for straws. We're all in the hot take business. And the hot take there to keep the Cowboys fan angry is that they got lucky. And frankly, luck doesn't have much to do with it. You look at this roster, it's stacked on both sides of the roster. Some of the lack of success last season had to do with Dak Prescott coughing up that football 15 interceptions last season. Some of those Dak's fault, not all of those Dak's fault, but nevertheless, he's going to get blamed for that interception column that was the worst season of his career in terms of perfecting protecting the football andre and i said I had pointed out when we were headed into this season that in seasons where Dak throws double digit interceptions, the next season he tends to correct, you know, he, he throws 11 in 2019 that in 2020, he only throws 40 through 13 in, in 2017, eight in 2018. It goes back and forth with the way that he protects the football and stemming back to college, Dak Prescott, has traditionally protected the football. So this season, you only have eight interceptions from Dak Prescott. You have 32 touchdowns from Jack Dak Prescott. You've got over 4,200 yards already from Dak Prescott. If Dak Prescott was going to have that kind of season, if I read you his numbers when we went into this season. And I said, this is what it's going to look like as you enter week 18, just for that player alone. Nevertheless, all the other players on that roster and what Mike McCarthy has done, frankly, since he took over the play calling there on offense, you already would have said, yes, the Dallas Cowboys will be competing for a division title because, of course, all teams go as the quarterback goes. And the way Dak has gone this season, there ain't no luck about it.
3: Yeah, and, you know, to that last point you made, the question with the Cowboys was Dak Prescott. You know, the, they, they had the elite defense, and you know, there was the sense that CeeDee Lamb was ready to explode if Dak could get him the ball consistently. And, you know, they felt like they had all of the other pieces in place. So, yeah, if you know going in that the quarterback had a great season, then you would expect them to, to have this level of success. And so, yeah, again, I don't I, I don't even know if I'm really entertaining uh, the, the notion that their whole season is built on that one play call um, that they're, they're winning their favor. You know, that, I, don't, I don't even think Stephen A believes that. But, no. you know, <laughs> just in the microcosm of that one game, yeah, sometimes, sometimes you can admit, all right, I got away with one. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have won that one. I'm glad I did. It puts me in a place to win the division. puts me in a place to have home field advantage. So, you know, those are all positives. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the season is about a lot, lot, lot more than that one play.
1: Doc Prescott is making his first Pro Bowl since 2018. It is his third Pro Bowl overall in his career. We just got the Pro Bowl rosters for the Dallas Cowboys. They have seven players headed to the Pro Bowl. A couple of those guys being first-time Pro Bowlers in kicker Brandon Aubrey and quarterback Darren, uh, Dar- uh, Daron Bland. So they have a bunch of dudes headed to a Pro Bowl in a Pro Bowl caliber season because they are stacked and they are stacked on both sides of the ball. And they should have had a good season when you looked at that roster headed into this season. We didn't exactly know how it would go with McCarthy. You know, taking getting rid of Kellen Moore, everything that happened there. Obviously, things have been an issue in the past for the success of this team in the postseason. That's still all fair. Question marks and criticism, or at least wonderings, as we move forward. But you can't question what they've done here in the regular season. And they look, they've taken care of business <laughs> time and time again. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Andre Snelling's filling in for Ian tonight. The Eagles are kind of a mess. Can they get things turned around? They're still competing for this division as well. We'll get into that.
2: Back goes Hurts, he lets it go, and it
3: is intercepted intercepted by Arizona, and the game is over. The Eagles lose 35-31, to and this is a bitter defeat.
2: I still believe in the guys in that locker room, I still believe in the coaches, I think we got the guys to get turned in the right direction. You definitely want to take advantage of every opportunity, these games go a ton of different ways,
3: but executing at a high level, and doing that, good things should happen.
1: James Steele, our producer, he wrote on my screen for the topic for this segment, the Eagles are bad. That's the topic. The Eagles aren't actually bad, though. Like, they're sitting at 11 and 5, but that's how much smoke is around this team right now and where we're at with Philadelphia that. And I, I'm not even saying anything crazy here, James. That you have that on my screen. I'm not blaming you for having that on my screen, but I feel like that is indicative of where we're at in the narrative with Philadelphia as a whole coming off that lost Arizona. I was
2: just channeling uh, um, all the Eagle fans that you have made very angry over the past year. This is what they think and you think. So I just wrote that up there so you can get into character.
1: Yes, I have gotten accused of that. I have gotten accused of being an Eagles hater. The blogs have been after me in Philadelphia. I don't know how they right now feel about their own team, but I would imagine they're a little nervous heading into this postseason. Andre.
3: I think it is fair to say that they're not good right now. You know, they're 11 and five on the season. Yes, but they were 10 and one. So they are in the last month or so. They're one and four. Their one win was at home against a moribund giant squad in a game that went down to the wire. They just lost at home to a moribund cardinal squad that is going to be picking in the top five to ten of the draft as well. And their losses to the 49ers and Cowboys were not close. So, yes, the team from start to finish is, you know, okay. they're still a good team and a team can turn it around at any given point. But much like we were talking about with whether that one play, uh, the luck of it uh, is is a whole season, you can look in the local area and make a a, a determination for how a team is playing. And right now, the Eagles are not playing good.
1: The Eagles aren't playing their best, that's for sure. And you know, heading into this season, I questioned whether they were going to take a little step back. Even I thought, though, that it would come at a different point in the season than the point in the season it actually came. I mean, that's what was a little bit weird about the way that things have gone with Philadelphia. And I think because of these losses, because if I just told you at the beginning of the season, if somebody had told me, oh, they're going to be 11-5, and I mean, I, with my analysis, would have been, okay, that's about right, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it feels like the way that this eleven of five occurred, where you just mentioned the one and ten or the ten and one, and then you go one and four, and it's the way that this has happened as we round out a regular season that makes it feel like the walls of or the wheels have fallen off, the walls are closing in, that the sky is falling because down the stretch, when it it matters most, when you need teams to get hot, the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything but hot, and you can criticize maybe the way that things are being handled inside that locker room because there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of rumors about this locker room being toxic or poisonous. AJ Brown is coming out and saying things. Nick Sirianni is coming out and defending things as well. Joe Fortenbaugh, he hosts a show here called Carlin Versus Show. Joe, he used to host an excellent show with Joe and Amber. He left Joe and Amber to go hang out with Chris Carlin. I'll uh-huh. never understand it. It's bizarre. But nevertheless, that's what he did, and he bring he's bringing the hot takes with him. He said that Sirianni has not dealt with adversity well.
3: Anyone can look good and sound good during the wins. Like, anyone can do that. Like, when you're on a run, uh, everyone's going to like you. You're going to be affable. You're going to be colorful. Like the Mike McDaniel thing in Miami. But, What's it going to look like when you're losing? How are you going to talk to the media? How are you going to address everybody? And he seems to be getting a little snippy with everyone. Not a big deal, but I'm saying that's one area where it could grow because that's the one thing I think people are latching on to, the way in which he's handling some of this now. He doesn't seem to
2: be handling it as well as guys. Like we've seen from Kyle Shanahan, John Harbaugh, they've all been through it, and they just come out and they're still even keel, answering questions, moving on. They're not showing as much emotion. Maybe he's just an emotional guy.
1: Uh, okay, now I remember why Joe and I don't have a show together anymore because he took that <laughs> unnecessary shot at Mike McDaniel in there with the Dolphins. <laughs> uh, Joe's such a Dolphins hate. Both him and Carlin. This Joe Fortbaugh and Chris Carlin. It's good we match those two guys together so they could just have a show where they just exude all their Dolphins hate. I don't agree with that take, throwing in a shot there to Mike McDaniel. I do somewhat agree with... The criticism here of Nick Sirianni, and it's not so much Sirianni Cer- because I don't think is saying anything wrong, right? He always goes out and he says the right things in all these pressers. But it's sort of all the smoke around the team, and then how the how the team has handled things down the stretch, where you suffer a big loss, Andre, and then you just can't ever bounce back from it.
3: Yeah, and you know, there's a sense that this has been building for a long time because we keep talking about the ten and one. Even when they were ten and one, people felt like they didn't look like a 10-1 and team. They didn't look like they had looked last season. So this has been building for a while. I don't necessarily think it's just one loss. But I do think that circumstances matter, right, because the, the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last season, but they didn't win. You know, the, the Eagles have stumbled down the stretch, but they're not in a division where they don't have a lot of competition. They have a strong division. They're going up against the Cowboys. And so I'm bringing that up as a foil for a team like the Kansas City Chiefs who have looked a lot like the Eagles, to be honest. They're 10 and six on the season. They're two and three in their last uh, handful of games, but they are the Super Bowl champions and they will win their division because they don't have anybody around to push them. And so the narrative is a lot different. And so with, with Sirianni and how he's handling adversity, he actually has some adversity and some pressure on him that maybe other teams in his circumstance don't have and yeah he's a a young head coach so maybe this is the first time that he's having to deal with it and I don't think anybody handles things great necessarily the first time through um but uh yeah he's got a little bit of work ahead of him to maybe become a better coach in the future
1: it's an excellent point that you just brought up that both of those teams that we just watched in a Super Bowl last season are having down seasons certainly compared to where we saw them last season or at least seemingly so the postseason of course could go differently for either of these teams and then the narrative completely changes so far nobody I don't think at this point after watching the Chiefs all season long and after watching the Eagles here down the stretch at this point I don't feel think anybody feels confident that either of those teams are going to be repeating in a Super Bowl nevertheless Super Bowl champs for the Kansas City Chiefs but you don't hear the smoke around the Chiefs now in part You don't hear it because they've proven it time and time again. And oh, by the way, they've got the rings behind it, right? Philly didn't actually win one of those. And last season was great. But if you're an Eagles fan, it set the bar high. And you're hoping to build on last season. And that doesn't feel like now, down the stretch here, that that's what's happening. I think it's fair. You lost... Five starters on defense, right? you lost both your coordinators. I mean, I think it's fair if you were to take a little step back from last season and finish, you know, second in the division instead of <laughs> winning the division. Like no one's saying the eagle. It's not like it's not it's not like they're you know one in seventeen here. I mean, I don't know what the panic seems. A little overdone, but I do. again, I think it's timing. I think it's timing of when this bad stretch, this bad stretch, should come early in the season. We would have all forgotten about it. We would be like, oh yeah, the Eagles are clicking, they're good to go, you know. But when it comes at the end of the season, it it doesn't bode well going into a postseason, at least in terms of narrative.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and because of the finality of it being the end of the season right because it's not just that okay well this is a bad stretch but then they also had excellent stretches to make you feel like this is a championship caliber team it's a bad stretch at the end of a season that didn't really ever look that impressive and you rarely see teams go into the playoffs looking like this and all of a sudden flip a switch and, and now they're back to playing at the level. So I think some of the frustration, uh, be it among Eagle Eagles fans or the, the the sense that they're just not that good, comes from the feeling that it's probably not going to end well. And people are just kind of getting ahead of that thought because, you know, as we talked about with last year's Vikings or the Steelers a few years ago. It doesn't really matter what your record was in the regular season. If you come into the playoffs at this level, you're probably going home early.
1: Right. I mean, they had 14 wins last season. They're going to either finish this season with 11 or 12 wins, respectively. They will find themselves competing in a postseason. They have six players in the Pro Bowl. We got the Pro Bowl selections tonight. The Eagles have six players. None of those starters, finding their way into a Pro Bowl, are named Jalen Hurts. AJ Brown, Landon Dickerson, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Hassan Reddick, and DeAndre Swift. They are all headed to a Pro Bowl. Jalen Hurts not headed to a Pro Bowl. And that's part of this disappointment because he's not having quite the same season. He didn't really get an opportunity here to build on last season. All of that changes, though. If they are able to win the division, if the Cowboys lose this weekend and the Eagles beat the Giants, all of this changes heading into a postseason. And certainly if they can make a run either way in the postseason. Coming up next, we're going to try to make a run. We're going to find out what's a big deal and what's not a big deal here on ESPN Radio.
3: making headlines extra extra read all about it but is it a big deal or not a big deal with
2: all right so uh, we're gonna start here Um, apparently Draymond Green hasn't been with the Warriors during his indefinite suspension Uh, he it's now his indefinite suspension is now extended to 10 games there doesn't be a end date in sight um, it's as Green takes time to uh, needed to handle the business off the court and the Warriors uh, continue with the season. The initial belief was that he'd be around the team during this, his suspension, but that hasn't been the case, according to head coach Steve Kerr. The Warriors coach said Green hasn't been in the facility, and they've spoken through text messages, according to the Athletics' Anthony Slater. Quote, we've been giving him his space. He's been giving us ours, Kerr said. According to Slater, the news of Green's absence from the team facilities is a surprise. He wasn't banned from being around the team. And General Manager Mike Dunleavy Jr. even said that he would still be in the building and with his teammates previously, according to ESPN's Kendra Andrews. Uh, Dre, big deal, not a big deal that Draymond hasn't been with the team, even though he was expected to be.
3: Not a big deal because there are way, way bigger deals going on with the Warriors right now. The the team is under 500. They do not look like contenders anytime soon. And that's a problem because they have a team full of 30-somethings, two of which, and uh, Chris Paul and Klay Thompson, are in the last year of their deal. So they have big things that they need to figure out. And Draymond Green, if he was on the court, his presence would be a big deal because he can make a change in in the roster. But with everything that's going on, it might honestly make it easier for him to be away from the team because they don't have to worry about there being a cloud anywhere uh, around him or around them. Hopefully he gets his stuff together and then he can get back on the court. And then that can, if anything, be a big deal for the Warriors.
1: It should be a big deal. The fact that it's not a big deal, maybe in and of itself, Makes it, in fact, a big deal. But the team always said that he was going to be out 10 to 15 games. He's been out 10 games. The thing is, though, it looks like he's going to be out quite a while longer. And if that's a key piece, a cornerstone, one of the faces of your team, that would typically be a big deal. But I feel like because of all those things Andre just said... The, the list of problems here for the Warriors that feel more pressing, frankly, than Draymond at this point, the way that things have gone with Draymond and kind of just where we're at with Draymond being 33 and the antics and, and frankly, his game is not the same as it once was, which is when he, I think he's frankly amped up these antics to some extent. All of it has sort of left the Warriors in a situation where his absence ain't their biggest problem. And maybe that's part of the problem.
2: Alright, up next uh, It's only January 3rd guys But we might have the hottest take of the year already Uh, The artist formerly known as Ron Artest Meta World Peace uh, Currently known as Meta Sandifern Artest uh, Says that He has no doubt that uh, Victor Wembanyama will score 101 points uh, someday. Quote, he's going to, for sure, catch a rhythm where some rookie that can't guard, doesn't know how to deny, can't backdoor, making a ton of mistakes, and boom, 101 piece, averaging 40. I think you're going to see it from this kid, our test concluded uh so amber big deal not a big deal that one uh, that Wemby is obviously going to score 101 points someday and uh two we might just have our hottest take of the year uh, on january 3rd
1: in, in a game 100 in, in a game
2: in a yes, season that's what he said. in a yeah, month yeah, he was gonna break in a five-game record <laughs>
1: In a singular game, Wemby, who's not even the front runner right now, for rookie of the year, is scoring one hundred and one points. I it's a hot thing to say. Seems highly unlikely, Andre. I, I understand he's incredibly hard to defend at that size, but unless everybody in the NBA completely forgets to play defense, it seems hard to imagine.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it's a, it, it's a fun deal. It's not a big deal. This is, you know, I, I don't know. What'd you say? Uh, Sandiford World Peace? Um, yeah,
2: Meta Sandiford Artest. So just a little bit of Oh, everything he's Artest now. Yeah, he's not world that's peace what it says. Anymore. Yeah, Meta Sandiford Artest. Just a little bit of all of them, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think
1: he, he dropped the World Peace.
3: <laughs> yeah, he, he was having fun with it. Maybe, I, I would say, maybe in, in a. So, yeah, saying there's a chance kind of way he could score 100 points if everything worked perfectly. And and uh, team, you know, he had a, his Kobe Bryant night and everything was just he's he's making threes like Klay Thompson. But the odds of it are like winning the lottery. So for him to come out and say, oh, there's no doubt it'll happen. That's how you can tell he was really just having some fun and just trying to put some stuff out there to people will talk about.
2: All right. Up next, uh, no doubt is funny. Yes, yeah. I mean, he's he's just he's very confident that it's going gonna, gonna to happen. Clearly, um, the Arizona Cardinals not as bad as we thought that they might be uh, with the first year of a new head coach. Um, we didn't know about Kyler Murray's future uh, when we started this season, but it seems like uh, he's going to be around for a while. When he was asked about if there was any doubt. Um, if Kyler Murray was going to be QB1 for the Cardinals uh, next year, uh, head coach Jonathan Gannon said, quote, no, there is not, he said with a laugh on the Burns and Gambo show. No, there's no doubt he's done everything we've asked. And I just feel like what he's done, the work he's put in to get to this point, wins or losses, play the type of football that he has coming off a knee injury and in a new system. The competitor that he is, I've been very pleased with him. End quote. Dray, big deal, not a lot of big deal that uh, maybe we maybe we were wrong that this was going to be Kyler Murray's last season uh, in Arizona.
3: I say not a big deal because this is coach speak at this point, right? You know, it, if it is going to be the end of his career in Arizona, I don't think that's to be determined yet. He has not had a situation like Zach Wilson, who we spoke with, I mean spoke on earlier, that we know as much as we think we can know that he's not going to be with the Jets this year. Um, You know, Kyler's come back and played strong football this year. And he just last season signed a really big extension that would make it difficult financially for the Cardinals to move on. So... There are reasons to think he could be back, and if you think he could be back, then yeah, the coach has to say something to that effect. But they also, if the season ended right now, would have a number four overall pick, there's a chance they could come out with a franchise quarterback in this draft, and if that situation arises, I wouldn't be shocked if they took the quarterback and moved on from Kyler. So it's not a big deal that the coach is saying it now. Tell me what he's saying on draft night.
1: Typically it's not a big deal when a coach says something. I do think it feels like a big deal – That they paid Kyler Murray last season and because of that they ain't moving on from him frankly either way but it was going to be Cliff Kinsbury that was going to take the fall once you paid your QB and you had a young QB that you might be able to develop even if he had problems apparently doing his homework you were going to go ahead and move on in terms of the coaching staff. You did that with Jonathan Gannon. We talked about it with the Eagles. Oh, by the way, when your coordinators are good, you lose them for a reason. Maybe that's harmed the Eagles. Some, their loss has been a win here I think overall for Arizona because Gannon does look like he has things headed a certain direction. And if you feel like Kyler Murray can be part of that and you paid Kyler Murray, then you ride right now with Kyler Murray. So I actually would be surprised if they moved on from Kyler Murray. I never thought that they were going to move on from Kyler Murray until they truly were at a point where they felt like we have to cut our losses, even if it quite literally means losses. And I don't think they're at that point yet. It all comes down to what Gannon really thinks behind the scenes. And maybe that whole Kyler Murray doesn't work hard thing was more about the coaching staff in Arizona or maybe a lack of motivation because of that relationship with the coaching staff, whatever it was. If he's turned his ways and changed his ways some behind the scenes, then I would imagine that the Cardinals are going to try to get everything they can out of that man. Because, again, money, money, the driving force here more than anything.
2: Amber uh, neon on ESPN Radio, we're playing Big Deal, Not a Big Deal. Don't forget you can get in line now for Color Roulette, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 729 We want your hottest takes on whatever you want to talk about. We don't care. Just give us something uh, fun to talk about. Uh, one last one. Uh, Tom Brady uh, in a year-end uh, Instagram post wrote this: "All right, looking back on twenty twenty-three, grateful for every moment, cherishing the highs, learning from the lows, blah 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 blah." But it, it, it didn't get interesting. It didn't get interesting you were until very the touched end. By this post, it didn't get interesting I'm until thinking the end. Not a big deal. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that, that part not really a big deal. That's just every that's just everybody's year year-end uh, Instagram post. The P.S. P.S. The only downside to 2023 was when I was about to unretire in May, and my friends threw a surprise retirement party, kind of forced my hand. So, first, it was Adam Schefter and the media who forced his hand to, uh, I don't know, unretire the first time. And now it was uh, his friends who forced him to not retire this time. Amber, big deal, not a big deal, that apparently Tom Brady just never had control over his own uh, career.
1: Uh, this is not a big deal. I feel like this is Tom Brady just having some fun with us at this point. I don't believe any of it, but it's funny. And I like this more loosey goosey Tom Brady that we saw. I mean, frankly, we saw a looser version of Tom Brady once he left New England. He's having <laughs> even more fun in retirement. That's exactly what you want from your retired athletes. Tom Brady has taken full advantage and showed us that personality. This is part of that.
3: Yeah, uh, we saw a looser Tom Brady in that uh, Super Bowl celebration, that's for sure. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, and yeah, not a big deal. He's teasing he's having fun he's trolling whatever it is that the kids say these days um and yeah he's come a long way I was at Michigan in the athletic department when Brady was there and you know I remember talking to his teammates I did not know that he was going to go on to have people think he was the goat in the NFL but his teammates then talked about how wound up he was and 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 how he was just an odd kind of dude so it's good that after he's had this Hall of Fame, you know, GOAT, best ever type career. Now he can actually maybe enjoy himself a little bit.
1: You have to be a little different to be the best at any sport. I think you have to be a little different, frankly, to get to a level of a professional athlete. The amount of dedication, the amount of competitiveness that you have to have inside of you from a mental perspective. Like, you have to just tick a little different than the rest of us anyways to even get to that level and then to be the top of that to be the top one percent of the one percent of the one percent i mean it yeah to be cut from a different cloth i would imagine tom brady is but it's nice to see the more human side of tom brady here at the end of his career and now in his retirement as well we are taking your phone calls line up we want to get your takes whatever they are harbaugh's future Your NFL takes. Can anybody beat the Baltimore Ravens in the AFC? Whatever you've got, it is your turn to weigh in. The phone lines are open here on Amber and Ian Triple H, say ESPN.
3: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
2: 13 black odd, uh, no
3: winner. Spin the wheel, make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play Call a Roulette with Amber and Ian. let
1: say ESPN. That is how you call Amber and Ian. Andre Snellings filling in for Ian tonight. Let's spin it. Daniel is in Nevada calling us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Hey, Daniel, thanks for your call. What do you have for us tonight?
2: Hey, guys. I got a little just note on Kyler Murray. You guys were talking about him. Um, I'm not a Cardinals fan by any stretch, but I seem to remember he was also drafted high in the Major League Baseball draft, wasn't he?
3: He was. I think like number nine so, or 11 I mean, overall. He's, yeah, he was
2: a first rounder in both. I remember that. Um, so if he were smart and he just wanted to make money and be lazy, I mean, don't you make more sitting on, sitting in the dugout in the summer than you do getting blasted in the winter?
1: Uh, If you make the majors in that scenario. I do remember with Kyler Murray though, you know, he claimed the affection and the love for football, right, Andre? And that yeah. was one of the whole things. And, and he's not the only quarterback that was good. I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, James Guy, you know, he's also was very good at baseball. We've seen this with some other guys at that position. But with Kyler, it was supposed to be the love and the affection for the game of football. And that's kind of why it was surprising then when we got all the when we found out some of those reports about Kyler Murray and the homework clause and all the smoke around that sort of the lack maybe of uh of his dedication there to his
2: craft
3: yeah and plus you know as you just pointed out you only make that money in in baseball if you make the majors and I think out of every sport being a first round pick in the in baseball is not a guarantee that you're making the majors so you know, being a franchise quarterback and that extension that he signed for whatever nine figures it was, nine of those figures might be guaranteed. I'm pretty sure they were for for um, Murray. So he's, he's making his money one way or the other. The question is, can he continue to make that money as a starting quarterback for the Cardinals?
1: Yeah, the A's took him ninth overall and gave him a $4.66 million signing bonus when he decided <laughs> to choose football he replay, repaid $1.29 million of the one and a half of that signing bonus that he had already received from the A's. 4 or $5 million sounds like a whole lot of money to me and you. Yes. Ain't that much money when you compare how much Kyler Murray has made now Not a playing football. <laughs> Let's spin it. I mean, I'm just assuming four or five million sounds like a lot to you. I shouldn't have made assumptions there, Andre. I don't uh, know how you have it. You know, you, uh, might, yeah. you might be living large.
3: <laughs> yes, you know, I'm a very important person, and my house smells of faint mahogany. And, <laughs> and I will take four or five million dollars. you are a senior NBA please.
1: writer, senior <laughs> NBA writer here at ESPN. All right, David is calling us from North Carolina on the Dr. Pepper column line. Hey, David, what do you have on Brady?
3: Good evening. A uh, longtime listener. Uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing tonight. It's a good show. Um, what appreciate I'm calling that. about is when uh, Belichick and Brady, when Brady first left the Patriots, I'm not a fan of any one specific team, but I am a big fan of talent. And when Brady left Belichick, the narrative was, well, is it Brady was the good one or was it the coach? That's that. Now the narrative, y'all have changed the narrative Because it doesn't fit what you originally said. Now you're saying, well, this is a Hall of Fame coach. Should he stay or should he go? He's never been a Hall of Fame coach. If he didn't have Brady, he wouldn't have done what he did. Wow.
1: I don't think it's as strong words there from David. Thanks for the call uh, and thanks for listening. I, I don't think that the narrative has changed in terms of the Brady-Belichick comparison, Andre, I just think that conversation's over, so it's just not interesting anymore. We're no longer having it here at ESPN because Brady won that fight, so now the only thing to talk about is the next steps, but the reality is that when you have six Super Bowl rings in that sport, you're going to the hall. Anyway, you cut it, and the record speaks for itself. With or without Brady, you can't take Brady off the teams and take Belichick out of the hall. It ain't how it works. Those two guys are going into the hall together.
3: Yeah, I mean, the narrative was never is it one or the other for being good and the other one was trash. You know, (laughs) it was like uh, this is arguably the GOAT quarterback and arguably the GOAT uh, coach and which one was more important to the Patriots' success among these two GOATs. And and so, yeah, Belichick – I mean, quiet as kept. Early in his career, it was Belichick's system, probably more than Brady, for those first couple of Super Bowls, that was getting the Patriots where they where they were. That's just what it was. But There by the end, where Brady was carrying a a team that maybe wasn't as talented, then yeah, it was more on his shoulders. So either way, it's yin and yang, both going to the hall, both inside the inner circle of the hall, and uh, yeah, that that that's just the way it's going to be.
1: What came first, the chicken or the egg situation? Right, did Belichick's system make Brady, or did Brady make Belichick's system? Either way they both worked I, that's the reality either way they both worked until they weren't together and so both of those guys are going to end up in a hall of fame one day that was never the conversation it's who made who and frankly I, I don't know if we can accuse either of them really realistically of making each other right because every, every great coach also has great players that play for that great coach that's the reality of the situation but it hasn't looked the same since Brady's departure Brady won a Super Bowl so so, really, that conversation is effectively over to all the extents that it was ever a legitimate one.